Chapter 15 of Sister Simon's Murder Case by Margaret Ann Hubbard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter 15 Lizette clambered up on the dock. Merlin did not heed her. He stood stiffly, not even turning his head. He wore no shirt, and his bare shoulders looked chilly after the heat. I'm so glad you're here, she gasped. I have to find Ted. She stopped. The reason for Merlin's stiffness stood a few paces off, at the land end of the dock. Pico, with a gun. Pico laughed. You don't expect to find Ted here, do you? He had a call. He laughed again. He was handsome in a brutal way, standing there with the rain beating on him. But you told the girl at Waddy's. Was that because you knew I'd come here? Exactly, my dear. Your devotion to your boyfriend touched me. Don't move. The order was from Merlin, who had staggered slightly. I'm not quite ready to kill you yet, not either one of you, but I will be soon. He means it, Merlin said and licked his lips. Don't move. Lizette, holding herself immobile, saw the very inside of fear. It was a cave like the one Jenny had died in built by the cruelly cold eyes of this man, who called himself Pico. "'So you are Steve,' she said. She was surprised that she could speak. He seemed to be surprised also, and his mocking smile held a hint of admiration. "'I'd like to keep you, my dear. I really would.' "'Then why not do it?' That didn't please him. "'You don't need to think you can keep me talking until help arrives. There won't be any help.' not until it's too late. He means it, Merlin said again. Keep still, you fat fool. Lizette managed to meet the man's eyes levelly. She should be saying the act of contrition, preparing for the judgment that would soon be upon her. But all she could think of was the gun, so steady in Pico's big hands, and the river running quietly under the dock. From the highway over beyond the trees came the sound of traffic, but a scream would never penetrate so far. Everything I ever wanted, I never had, Pico said, watching her closely. Jim had it, everything, even Elizabeth. I killed Jim to get Elizabeth. And then she wouldn't have you, Merlin said with soft derision. So you killed her. Don't, Lizette begged, but it was no more than a whisper. Pico's face darkened, swelling with rage. Leave him alone. The man's out of his mind. Don't goad him into killing us. Lizette begged silently. Every minute is a promise of delivery. But a change had come over the mind-reader also. Cowed and fearful before, now he regarded Pico with contempt. A big man with a gun, he said, still softly. A great big man, powerful, holding a gun on somebody is even better than your cheap blackmailing schemes. Pico swore the vilest oaths. Lizette had ever heard, but the stream did not deflect Merlin. Do you think we'd have had anything to do with you, Lou and me, if you didn't have something on us? A jailbird and an old army deserter. Merlin shrugged. We are what we are. You put us to good use, covering up for you. But we were not counting on covering up murder. Even if Wakeley hadn't pulled Lou in, the jig was up. I was going to the police. Public spirited citizen. Tonight, as soon as I could hitch a ride into town, I was going to the police. 
You've been spared the trouble, Smith. Of course, Marlin said. Lou will take over. The gun wavered, but only a fraction of an inch. The mind reader continued evenly. You don't imagine Lou will stay on the hook himself and not squeal on you? Why should he keep quiet? The ties of friendship? And how do you expect to make a getaway? I got away once. I can do it again. I'll go back to South America. Then his hands tightened on the gun, and he raised it slowly. Sister Simon had no time to begin the rosary. She hadn't been at the curb long enough to collect her thoughts, even for the familiar rote, when the truck pulled up before her. The gum-chewer from the filling station leaned across the street and threw open the door. "'Ride you to the hospital, sister?' She hesitated, just a second. "'I'd like a ride.' "'Pile in.' She was in, and the door closed, and the truck moving before she added, "'But not to the hospital.' "'No? Well, just so it ain't too far. Weiss waiting for me to get home.' "'To Newport, please.' He was turning the narrow corner onto the bridge, and he very nearly met a bus head-on. "'Ain't nobody in Newport. I'd better drop you off at the—' "'Please, take me to Newport. I don't want you to stay. Just get me there, quick.' But he began to wag his head, thinking it over in time to his gum-chewing. "'Well, now, I wouldn't feel right about that. Ain't nobody there.' "'Oh, but there is,' she wanted to cry out. "'There's a girl and a murderer.' And I don't want you blundering along with me, alarming him, so he'll stab her, or choke her, or something. I'm to meet someone there, she said. It's perfectly all right. He mulled this over thoroughly. She wants to go shopping, he said finally, and to the doctor. Your wife? Yeah, I'm supposed to babysit the kids. Then you just drop me and go straight home. I'm absolutely able to take care of myself. Well, she's expectin'. Then you can't possibly disappoint her. It's very bad for women in that condition to be disappointed, and I'm sure she needs to see the doctor. So you go straight out this road, just follow the river. How many children do you have? This'll be five. She asked him all the names and ages, who they looked like, everything she could think of. Any fewer children would not have served to get them to Newport. By the time they reached the ruined basement that was the only remaining emblem of the turn into the town, Sister Simon had the man's mind completely off the rather odd errand he was performing. With only a remark or two about hating to leave her, and how would she get home, he let her out of the truck. Then, making a turn that barely skirted the ditches, he drove back toward the narrows. Sister Simon struck at once into the woods. She was deep into the underbrush before she began to wonder in earnest, whether this might not be a half-wit theory. Why hadn't she called Wakeley and at least tried to explain what she was about to do? Only he would have stopped her, of course, and done the investigating himself, taking his time, if he had believed in her idea at all. But there was nothing to do now but go on ploughing through grass waist-high with burrs nipping at her ankles and a little woods thing or two scuttling away as she approached. And so she came out, before long, on the straggling, muddy expanse that had been Main Street. She stood still, listening. Rain hit dismally on ruined roofs. A big patch of ragweed in the middle of the place ducked its homely leaves under the onslaught of raindrops. Slowly she started forward. Would she have to look into every shell of a house that might shelter the killer and his victim 
becoming a perfect target for him as she poked hither and yon because now she knew exactly how reckless she had been to come here alone he could kill lizette and her dump them into some caved-in basement and not even the father of the five children would ever be able to find them where would she begin and then standing there so quiet in the patch of ragweed she heard a man's voice it was coming from the direction of the river it sounded conversational not in the least menacing no girl's voice perhaps he had already but then who would he be talking to as silently as the smallest thing in the woods the sister started toward the voice the willows hid the speaker she passed one after another of the ramshackle buildings and still the man was hidden and then suddenly she saw him a short distance ahead standing on the shore it was the black-haired artist his back was to her facing her on the dock were lizette and the mind reader from the nickelodeon palace sister simon paused the gun was pointed directly at the two if she were to alarm the fellow if he were to feel any inkling of another person's presence he would certainly shoot so here she must remain listening to this man's confession of murder waiting for him to get around to shooting the two facing him unable to do a thing to stop him jenny hadn't left the suitcase as she had been told he was explaining she had hung around talked to him and so he had had to take her for a boat ride revolted and sickened sister simon made a movement and her toe hit a rusty tin can the sound was tiny enough but she saw a faint reaction quickly checked by lizette if the girl had heard so had the man stone still the nun waited why didn't he whirl and shoot at her a perfect physical specimen but hard of hearing that was what sister joe had said through a long frozen minute the sister hardly drew a breath the fellow didn't turn so he hadn't heard the slight noise and if he actually couldn't hear well then it might be possible to rescue the two out on the dock how she had no idea she only knew that somehow she must try to overcome this man who stood with his insolent back toward her and she must do it at once praying in high gear as she would tell wakely later the nun walked slowly forward until she was only a few feet away from pico lizette and the mind reader were steadfastly keeping their eyes away from her but the strain must be terrific she must act quickly rush him before he could turn the skirt of her habit fluttering wildly sister simon started at a dead run across the intervening space fortunately pico did not hear her indeed he was unable to hear the swish of the river past the pilings or any other ordinary sounds she rushed desperately toward him both arms held straight out before her the impact was stunning the man thrown violently off balance flung out his hands futilely on the slippery bank there was no foothold and he plunged on down into the water the gun flew into the air and landed at sister simon's feet sister lizette screamed the gun i have it the gun felt good in her hand the weapon was well cared for she saw at a glance and fully loaded on the dock the mind reader stood watching with a somewhat whimsical smile as if he enjoyed the joke pico swearing regained his balance against the pilings and came wading in to shore flushed with anger get up beside him sister simon ordered 
gesturing with the gun. Step along. Pico, taking his time, gave her a derisive look. He would put up with this state of affairs just so long as it pleased him. His manner plainly said, Lizette, come here, the nun said. As if she were in a daze, the girl obeyed. Are you all right, Liz? Yes, sister. They didn't harm you? Oh, no. Now you two. Sister Simon dipped the muzzle at the men. Walk backward to the far end of the dock. Pico shrugged, but they both did as they were told. The sister advanced until she stood on the last room ashore. That's far enough. Now stay there. If you move, either one, I'll shoot the two of you. You will, Pico jeered. Well, well. Keep calm, the nun cautioned herself. Don't let him rile you. Show him that you mean what you say. If you don't think I can use this weapon, she shifted the muzzle toward an empty bottle floating toward the dock and fired. The bottle shattered and disappeared. There was a startled silence. Sister Simon needed that small interval to recover her own senses. Slowly the men turned to her, respect in the careful way they moved, as if they expected her to blast off again, if they didn't please her. The mind-reader was pale under a stubble. Lizette, the nun said briskly, go out to the highway and flag down a car. Ask them to summon the police. Then come back here. Run along, fast. The girl went without a word. Sister Simon was trembling inside, but the tremors were not disturbing the confidence in her aim. If the artist took a step toward her, made any movement whatsoever, and he was angry enough to do it, she would indeed shoot him without the slightest hesitation. The other man, too. But she was not afraid of him, somehow. The trembling left her. The pounding of her pulse died away in her ears. Now the only sound was the soft lapping of the water around the old dock. I'm dreaming, was that thought as she ran along the weedy old main street. I didn't leave Sister Simon down there with two desperate characters. I didn't face death a few minutes ago. But her errand was very real in her mind. Get out to the highway, stop a car, and ask them to call the police. And Ted. Ted, she cried. Of course she was dreaming. He couldn't have come so soon. But there he was, leaping through the underbrush like a frantic Tarzan, saying her name as if he couldn't believe his eyes. He caught her in his arms, squeezing her so hard that she couldn't breathe, holding her away to look at her and catching her tight again. Liz, Liz, you crazy kid, what the devil brought you out here? But he gave her no time to answer. Answers were unimportant anyway. The marvelous thing was that he was here, and that out on the highway a police siren wailed to a stop. Then it was easy to imagine Wakeley jumping out of the car and crashing like Ted through the undergrowth. How did you know where to come? Lizette asked, clinging to Ted. Susan, she said you were following me to Newport, and something about a nun. Sister Simon, she's down on the dock. What's she doing there? Lizette took his hand turned and began to run, although there was no real need for haste now, not with the police catching up and Ted sprinting along without asking questions. They came around the last of the willows and stopped. Even to Lizette, who had been a terrified part of it so short a time before, the scene was hardly to be believed. A white-garbed nun, very wet, but seemingly very much at ease, 
stood holding a gun on two stalwart men who stood obediently at the very edge of the dock over the swift running river well i'll be darned ted said softly wakeley pounding up stopped beside the two what would you give for a picture of that he asked not a penny said lizette i want to forget it drawing his gun wakeley strode forward lizette leaning against ted closed her eyes for this was the end there was no more to see and she was suddenly very very tired and too near to tears end of chapter 15 end of sister simon's murder case by margaret ann hubbard